Hey, coconuts, I know politics can be a little bit of a dirty idea for many, and but the reality is... <laughs> Many of these things affects our lives. So trade policies, manpower policies, taxes, rebates, HDB, CPF, Medisave, all these things are policies and they are all embedded within the idea of politics. So as much as you want to believe that you're an amazing player and you can swim in any field, right? The reality is if you don't understand policies, you don't understand what's going on, uh, it's very hard for you to really play this game to another level. So I'm not saying you got to be a politician or an activist, but to be a little bit more politically aware and to understand what is going on, on, I believe will inch you to the next level. So today we're going to spend a little bit of effort as to what is going on, how do you look at these things, understand a little bit better, and yeah, hopefully I'll level you up to the next level. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another Chill City FC session. In this series, we hope to bring out interesting, relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. This life is not always about learning from people that you already agree with. Perspectives shape around the thinker. So I'm Reggie, your chief financial coconut. And today's podcast is an extension of our Instagram live with our great friend previously, right? So at the end, there will be extra questions. There will be a different um, flow format at the end, right? So all the questions that people are asking us through our live session, okay? So this guy today that's coming on the show is someone that I think is probably one of the best professor out there, right? So he has a depth of knowledge, but he doesn't bore you with jargons and try to make you feel like, oh my God, I don't know this, man. Like, I'm so far away. So this guy, amazing dude, runs a great podcast. You should check out his podcast. He goes around interviewing a lot of politicians and, you know, be one of the biggest political voices out there in Singapore today. So let me welcome you to Wallet, professor at NTU Paul Science, and of course, the host of Te Tarik with Wallet. I think today I want to spend more time talking to you or having a discussion with you about why uh, young adults should be more political or at least sure. like how most of us uh, are underappreciating it because I think the current narrative has made politics very dirty. You know, mm. it, it, it makes people feel like, yeah, if you're political, uh, then, you know, um, you know, like, are you anti-nationalist or, mm. or, or whatever you right? So generally I can tell um, even in our community, a lot of people just want to invest and make money and do their thing. And they'll be like, ah, let's just leave politics to the big guys. You know, we, we shouldn't right. be part of it. Um, so right. I'm having you on to really dis dispel this thing, right? So I want to uh, hear your view. Like, why should we be political or should we be more political? Okay, so firstly, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure and honor. And I think that there is a saying, you know, that goes, you may not care about politics, but politics damn sure cares about you. Everything that we do, or every, every single thing in our life is political, right? The price of bread is political, right? I mean, inflation is related to what goes on in the political sphere, political decisions made internationally and even locally, right? So you cannot run away from that. And can you really think of something that is not political? Even marriage is political. Not my marriage, but the definition of marriage. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> or what should be what should be marriage? Uh, whether it should be between a man and a woman, or whether uh, you should allow gay marriage. All of these are political decisions. There is nothing that is or very very few things that are free from politics, right? If you are a football fan now, you know that the EPL clubs uh, have have decided to take a knee for for the next season, the upcoming season. That is a political decision, a political protest. So even in sports where people generally think it's not political, but sports has always actually been quite political, right? Uh, so there is essentially nothing that is not in the political realm or directly or indirectly. Everything is political. Where Lee Kuan Yew had this very famous uh, famous line he mentioned in either 87 or 88 uh, National Day Rally, if I remember correctly. But he said that something to this effect. He said, we would not have made the progress that we, we have made if we did not decide, we as in the PAP, did not decide where you live, how you live, where you spit, whether you can spit, and so on. Basically, down to the very, very fine details. All of these are political decisions. Now, if everything in our life is directly or indirectly associated with politics, then it only makes sense for us to have some knowledge of the political. Being political, first of all, doesn't mean anti-Singapore, being anti-Singapore. That's, that's nothing to do with it, right? You can be. There are some political people who are anti-Singapore, but most people are not, right? Being political also is different from being partisan. Being partisan means you support a party, whether it's a PAP or the opposition or any, any of the opposition parties. That's not what I mean when I say we should be political, right? Being political means actively caring and thinking and taking the time to know about political developments. Because whether you like it, even where you live in, and who your neighbor is, those are results of political decisions. It's amazing, right? If you really think about it, how politics permeates every single aspect of our lives. But there are many people, not some, how you started off this podcast, right? This is the most, one of the most important questions to ask in Singapore, right? Why is it that people are not political, right? Or they, mm. they see being political as a dirty word. Mostly, I think, because they associate being political with being partisan. Right. Again, even if you were a partisan, I don't think there's anything wrong as long as you know why you're doing that. But that's not what I'm calling for, right? I'm I'm saying we ju- just should be more aware of political developments. Yes, and and I and I think on our platform we talk a lot about investing. We talk about all this stuff, right? And I honestly think I'm just teaching people, or at least we are trying to educate people on how to swim. Okay, mm-hmm. but the the reality is you can actually change the parameters of the pool. Right, uh, and and that that, that is right. where politics come in, right? So maybe right. you should. Can you? I don't know if this would help our audience to understand, but I do think the origins of anything matters. So maybe you could kind of help walk us through a little bit of like how politics became so dirty, or, or this this vibes of like why why you know you're so political, you know, right? Right. So that so I think there are a few a few factors here, right? One is how politics manifests itself in many other countries. Not necessarily Singapore, but to, to a lesser extent, yes, Singapore as well, but in many other countries, right? Because ultimately, the primary manifestation, not the only manifestation, the primary manifestation of politics is the struggle for power and the struggle for elected office. And in some countries, right, it results in assassination attempts. In some countries, there are manufactured riots in some countries, you know, people are party hop. We can see this in our neighboring countries as well. People, people party hop and, you know, they buy elections and so on. And there, there are always negative connotations to this, right? So even in Singapore, you, you see, for instance, 
people who enter the opposition, right? I, I've seen this before, you know, somebody in front of my eyes saying that, oh, I support that opposition politician, right? And then within a couple of sentences, right, say, oh, I don't want to be pictured with that person <laughs> because my employees may not like it. <laughs> so it's just in your mind, right? You're self-censoring in your mind. Right? But you, you have this impression, partly unfairly, partly fairly because you've seen what, what, have, what has happened to opposition members in the past, even though that's in the distant past, right? It's still, there's still some memories, institutional memory probably, right? So that is how people come to this, to this conclusion. But we must understand that, even though I say the primary manifestation of politics is in the struggle for power, that's not the only manifestation. So in every other aspect, including personal finance, right? Political decisions affect how we can invest, where we can invest, and so on, right? Fair, fair. So then, when when we when we look at it from from that light, how can we participate then? You know, like as an as an average individual, okay. If if I am soaked to the idea that okay, politics affect my personal finance, and I should be a little bit more political. How can I participate if I don't want to be an activist? Because I think a lot of people do associate as like, oh, you you want to participate, then you know you either be an activist or you join the opposition. Because if you are with the the main narrative really, you don't really need to do much. You know, you know what right. you know what I'm yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So that's an excellent question, right? And and I think first of all, the most important thing for me, the second I would say is voting. The most important thing is just keep up to date as much as possible with day-to-day developments. Now I understand this is a lot to ask for an average individual, the average citizen. And it, it may not be possible for you to follow every single every single political development, but at least the major ones, right, that are covered in the newspapers, the major ones, we should keep up to speed with them, right? So in the past couple of weeks, there have been uh, a lot of discussion on race and then the, the concomitant institutions, right, like the GRC, the ethnic integration policy, whether these are relevant. And we have seen in the past year a very, very vibrant discussion on the minimum wage, right? such that the chairman of MAS himself, right, is going out and basically almost endorsing the idea or <laughs> endorsing the idea to the extent that it has never been endorsed before, right? Yes. So, and that's that's a financial thing, right? And because that would have affect all other things, the tax rates and so on. So, at the very least, the first thing we must do is we must keep up to date with the major developments, right? Mm. So, that's the first thing. The second thing, voting, do not underestimate the power of the vote. Because a lot of times, from my experience, I think Singaporeans do not understand the power of their vote. They think, oh, what's the point, right? It's only one vote, right? But if you add up all of those votes, it's it amounts to something. And the third thing is just individual action on a daily basis or on a regular basis. And this includes writing to your MPs about something. It, it, writing to your MPs, right? Doesn't just have to be about constituency issues, you know, like oh, the NTC is far, there's no ATM near my house. I mean, those you can write to, to your MP about that as well. My bus <laughs> breaks down all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, got a, I got a fine, parking fine, which I just got last week. I'm not going to write to my MP, okay? I'm just going <laughs> to Yeah, so you should not be just be writing. You can write to your MP about that, but it can also be about national issues, right? And then a lot of times, if there's a defeatist mindset. Oh, what can I do? Okay, Chances are probably your emails would not change things on national issues. Issues. Chances are. If you email them, probably it won't change anything. But if you don't email them, you'll definitely not change anything. Right? 
So I'll take probab- small probability over zero probability, right? Mm. And also, if when you give them feedback and they see that this comes from a lot of people, then they think, oh, actually, this is something a lot of people are thinking about. But if you never tell them, even though there are many others who think like you, they would never know what mm. to act on. Ultimately, MPs, and there's also a, a problem, I guess, with Asians generally. We are very polite to seniors, people in authority, which is a good thing. Uh, even, you know, my students, they are generally very polite and respectful. The downside to that is probably that may inhibit them from disagreeing with me in class. Mm. Probably, yeah. right? Just out of respect for authority or something. Shout out to Megan, uh, and, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Megan roasted me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, this is an insider yeah. joke. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For oh, all of you good. listening, Megan, yeah, Megan is excellent. To, yeah, yeah. For all of you listening, <laughs> yeah. you don't know this joke, right? You should listen to Wallet's platform, right? Tetare Wallet, and then the joke will, the, the joke will suffice. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So she, uh, she's good. She's good. So I think we have that uh, that uh, problem sometimes when. I, I've seen this also again with my own eyes. There are many people who criticize, criticize their MPs, right? When their MPs come, right, they never raise this criticism because it's uncomfortable, right? You don't want to, you don't want to criticize a person. And generally, that's, that's just human nature, I suppose, right? So, like, half the time, right, things you say online to a person, you never say to that person in real life the criticisms because we are we want to be polite to people so if we don't do that if we don't email and when they come we don't articulate our concerns right about national issues or constituency issues they would never know then who should you blame after that <laughs> if you don't raise and they don't know who should you blame right so so i would say yes there's a power imbalance of course but we do as much as possible in our power uh, in our hands and we have ultimately right and this is something i wa- i really wanted to emphasize which is no dictator or no authoritarian no matter how dictatorial or how authoritarian so no political party no politician no matter how authoritarian or dictatorial is ever fully insulated from public pressure it's only to the extent so in liberal democracies you are more insulated in Uh, authoritarian countries, you are less insu- insu- uh, you are more insulated. In liberal democracies, you are less insulated from public pressure. So they still have to respond to public pressure, no matter what. So you think about the worst of dictators or the most dictatorial, uh, you know, like the Mubarak regime in Egypt that time, you no, know, uh, and single party countries, right? There is still a possibility of revolution if people are are really really unhappy. Right? And it has happened before. And by the way, Singapore is not a dictatorship, even though there are some people who describe it as that. That would be an unfair characterization. This podcast is not sponsored by the PAP, okay? But in the name of <laughs> in the name of intellectual honesty, right? We have to be honest, and it's not. I mean, it's not a liberal democracy for sure. Anybody who says that mm. is also not being honest. Uh, somewhere in between, you know, some people say it's an illiberal democracy. Some people say it's competitive, authoritarian, whatever mm. term you call it. I mean, the space that is the space is limited, but there's still space. Elections are uh, not really fair. They are not completely fair, but they are quite free, and mm. they mm. are not fraudulent. That's the most important thing, which is why our vote really matters. And not even that, you know, even marketing companies, right? They monitor public sentiments online. Right. Yes. Do you really think government, our government, and governments in the world doesn't do not do. do not monitor public? Of course they do. Mm. And it, in fact, it will be a dereliction of duty if they didn't. Right. Yes. That's my yes. point. My point is they whatever you post also 
cumulatively it adds to something, right? So all of these are actions or acts of activism where we may not call ourselves activists, but all of these are acts that that we can do in our daily life. And I always feel that there you can make a difficult point without being a difficult person. I don't always live up to that adage. <laughs> I don't always live up to it, but I think you can do that. Yeah, so hmm. a lot of times you're afraid. I, I, sorry, I think yeah. I think the, the part about you can always raise difficult points without being a difficult person, right? Hmm. Recently, I, I thought about it and I'm like, really, do we want to hold counterpoint to the main narrative to such a high standard? No, we don't yeah, have it, to. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the kind of social descent or people are so angry about certain things and why can't they just put an Instagram post and then tag the ministry or, you know, all that kind of stuff rather than if it, it feels like if you are unhappy with certain things, I, I honestly think people are broadly happy with certain things and very unhappy yeah. with other things. And it's a different permutation for everyone, right? Uh, so right. whoever that really, really hates it probably already left already. Okay, so so everyone that's still around likes something and don't <laughs> like some stuff. Right, right, right. But do we really need to, as an average individual, be so informed that we put out a very good argument against it? And no. so to, to be respected of our views. You know what no. I mean? Uh, so you're right. In theory, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be. And sometimes it's done purposely, sometimes unintentionally, right? People, oh, the tone is not right. I, I really don't like that, right? The tone police, tone policing and, you know, go to the substance of what he said. However, however, why did I say that you can raise? Because you don't want people to use that as a distraction, right? So for those who can, who can articulate dissent or unhappiness in an elegant manner, they should do that as much as possible, right? At the same time, we shouldn't dismiss those who are unable to do that by saying this person is rude or anything because a lot of times that's, that's the distraction. Look at the substance. Is there, is there meat? Is there meat there? Uh, so in order to prevent our, our points from being ignored on the basis of tone, right? So just for those who can, they should. And I think uh, your audience probably would be those who have a certain level, right? certain le level of ability and probably can can articulate things in in a particular manner yeah i wouldn't expect this from my parents generation or what you know my no my parents my dad he was always from 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 young super political right now the concepts he didn't articulate them in concepts but he was smarter than i was than than i am right and he was able to really understand really? what Really? He's smarter than you are? Oh, for sure. 100%. 100%. Okay, I, have no okay. doubts. I have no doubts about that. Yeah. So, he's, he wasn't educated. He's illiterate. But I think he's, he's much smarter than, than I am, I think. And and he's able to articulate and understand all those things. I wouldn't expect somebody like him to be able. I mean, he's illiterate. So, he cannot write a post anyway. He's He passed on recently in February. So, uh, but he... I mean, I, when he was alive, I wouldn't expect him to be able to write that. I don't have the expectation of him. I probably have that expectation of you. Even then, even then, if you are, <laughs> if you are angry on a bad day, right, I would never judge you for writing something inelegantly, right? Yeah, as in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss the point uh, completely. I'm just saying that the nature of people, especially people who have power, they tend to be more defensive. It's just, it's just natural, right? you are more defensive of what you have created. So in order for them to not, their defensiveness not to be triggered immediately. So let <laughs> their defensiveness be triggered by the substance rather than by the tone. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair, fair. Which is why you are very supportive of some of the NNP speeches, right? 
Very, very. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, and, and we can we can talk about that later. I, I want to walk through some of the points that you've said, right? And I, let's start with point number three about individual action. All right, so you want to email the, the your member of parliament, not for ticket fines, not for small little <laughs> things, but, you know, even on the bigger scale stuff, the national yep. stuff, right? Yep. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, being a little bit more organized in this, like organized tagging or organized emails or organized open letters and, and trying to create viral content for the, the MPs to, to see it. essentially the whole idea of uh, pooling together right rather than just an yeah. individual stuff right? yeah, what is so, your thought on organizing so definitely that? I think people in other countries have, have done it I, I mean I'm not I'm not against it for sure I think it's, it's another legitimate tool I even see many younger people do that so I've mm. seen a couple of open letters where they give a template and then you can a couple maybe four or five just in the in this past six seven months alone and these are people my students age so 23 24 ish yeah, so I do see that on the environment. Even I saw one on the Israeli-Palestinian issue. I think I saw one probably on the nurses and hijab. I, I think I've seen a few that younger people are doing this because obviously they recognize that this. And also, you know, it's much easier to have a template rather than for you to write. <laughs> Sometimes they, the thing, right, that makes people turn off. Uh, they want to do it, but they are just too lazy <laughs> to do it. Mm. Yeah, so, so it, that could be a legitimate one as well. Although... You must also realize that if you get, as an MP, if you get a letter that is the same letter uh, just signed by 100 different names, right? 100 emails you get. So, but it's the same letter versus 60 or 70 letters. So, slightly fewer, but all worded differently, right? I think mm. the letter probably would have more impact for you. Mm, fair. The first, right? The first one you'll see, mm-hmm. oh, this one maybe just people jumping on the bandwagon or whatever. The second one, oh, people are really, really passionate about it. Mm, fair, fair. And and I think these days there are a lot of ways to go about whether is it tagging or petition. I think Absolutely. online petition is becoming Absolutely. a thing. Do you, yeah. in the past, where, how if yeah. the government wants to bulldoze Dover, Dover Forest, they, they can just do it. <laughs> you know, but the, the whole petition, uh, you know, yeah, it yeah, changed yeah. The, the narrative. Oh, and for all. sure, it's, for sure. So people must never be defeatist and say, what's the point of this? There is always a point. Mm, great, great, great. So I think for all of you listening, you definitely want to, you know, if you're passionate about a certain thing you must you know be, be engage it engage in it and there are a lot of low-hanging yeah. fruits that you don't need to be very Absolutely. sophisticated yeah. tag your mps tag a ministry sign petitions and whatever you i think yeah. i think those are those are good points yeah, yeah. And, and and about voting right? so voting yeah. free and fair election you know is is the is that thing right and then you said that we are not free and fair maybe oh we are free we are quite we are free, free but we are not you're not really fair yeah yeah, I just want to put you in a spot. Like, uh, I think PJ Tam did a lot of question, a lot of a lot of content in in this also, yeah. and and yeah. he, he put out his position of why yeah. he thinks that you know this is not uh, like like it's not fair and and what have you, right? But I but some people will label him a little bit on the far, yeah, right? So yeah. I want I want to I want to hear yeah. your perspective on right. So I I have I did uh, listen to his series, and I think mm-hmm. it's a good series. I don't necessarily agree with everything he said. And on this part, I think this is my disagreement uh, with him. I do not think you can say that voting in Singapore, the voting results do not accurately depict public sentiment because I think they do. I think mm-hmm. they do. You know, people say, oh, you know, there's a lot of barriers. Yes. And I also acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. You know, for instance, I think the redrawing of boundaries, that's something that I don't think should happen as often as it does. The size of the GRCs, I've been on record saying that it should be re- reduced to a maximum of two. 
I think there are some things that we can have the electoral commission to be not under the prime minister's office to be independent, mm. right? So there are many things that we can do, and these are the things that prevent me from saying that it's it's a fair election. But it's relatively free. There's no, it's very free. I think there's no corruption. There's no fraudulent. There's very little money in politics, right? I mean, our our elections, even the opposition say it's clean. You know, there's voting is secret, even though many people think it's not. And that's a myth that needs to be busted. So all of that make the results credible. And, you know, if people are unhappy, they have voted against the PAP in the past. So you cannot have it both ways. You, know? you cannot say... And this is if I had PJ on, and I know I know PJ, and I I have respect for for what he does, but I mean doesn't mean I have to agree with everything he says, right? But of if course, I had PJ, and that's so, and if I had PJ here, right, I would tell him uh, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot say 2020 or 2011, right, showed that the people wanted change, but then 2015, right, is not reflective of public sentiment, mm, right? Mm. Or 1997 or 2001, you cannot say that, right? Because people have a choice ultimately. No one puts a gun to their head. Now, you can say, oh, they are afraid of whatever. Whatever it is. Being afraid of something is also like being afraid of losing a job, for instance. That's a legitimate concern. That's a legitimate thing to consider, consideration when you are voting. So, I think the results, the election results ultimately reflect the pulse of the nation, where they are at. And right now, the pulse of the nation is where... We want the PAP in charge, but we want a slightly reformed PAP. We want more checks and balances. Now, mm. is it always going to be like that? No. People always assume that the PAP support is on a downward trajectory. No, you, you cannot put it past them that if they rectify certain things, they can win more public support. But at the end of the day, I do not think the results are not credible. Yeah, mm. I think they definitely reflect where we are at. Yeah, for, for all of you that somehow don't know, 2011, 2020 is when they lost one GRC each. You know, and 2015 is when Lee Kuan Yew died. 2022, and then, yeah, yeah, as in one plus one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So 2015 is when Lee Kuan Yew died and they won a lot of votes, right? So right. so I think that's that's the, a little bit of context uh, based on what yeah. Walid has put out. Okay, fair. So I, I, I can broadly agree with your points that it reflects sentiments and people should take their votes seriously. Yeah. Like, like I, think, I think I've definitely heard you say that you shouldn't already have someone to vote in mind already, right? So your yeah. vote must always be fought for. Like the politicians yes. must always fight for your vote. Right. Yes. So can, can you walk us through your, your thoughts about this? Right. So I actually said this in episode two of Tetare. So Wow, you you have really Bro, listened to. <laughs> I really listen, and I know you 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 vibe with you stand with Nicosia. Yes, I, <laughs> I know all of that. Okay, I am a listener. Yes, yes, I do. Okay, Very yeah. excited here. Yes. <laughs> so it's true. It's true. I think <clears throat> the moment you pledge your vote to a party unconditionally, you become irrelevant. You become irrelevant because why would the party go out of its way to to listen to you? They know that you they've gotten your vote. So I always say this, you can be fans of political parties and politicians, but you must never be sycophants of political parties and election uh, and uh, politicians and you must never be sycophants of anybody actually. Yeah. So you should you can be fans but you must always say that you know my vote is always up for grabs. I'm leaning here but I'm willing to be persuaded. Only then then your vote would be taken seriously. Honestly, right? Tell you, in Singapore, probably my estimate, right? And this estimate is based on the 2011 presidential elections. If you remember, right? I'm sure you do, Reggie. There were four candidates, right? One, Tony Tan, and he represented P3, 
PAP basically, right? In the minds of the voters. One was Tan Ji Se. He represented the opposition in the minds of the voters. And Tan Cheng Bok represents at that point in time, yeah, he's, he's somewhere, he's and not establishment but not opposition also, right? So a middle ground opposition, some something like that. And Tan Kin Lan, honestly, I don't know where to put him in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he got 5%, close to 5% other than mm-hmm. he has many friends and family members. Yeah. But let's use the other the other three, right? So the one who the ones who voted for Tony Tan, we can safely say these are hardcore PAP fans. Mm. Hard, hardcore PAP supporters. The one who voted for Tan GC, we can safely say hardcore opposition supporters, right? So if the sky is blue, it's the PAP's fault, right? <laughs> it's that guy. And also, also the <laughs> The other one, yeah. Or no matter what, the PAP is right. So those those people, right? I presume that the PAP is not too worried about that 25% because no matter what they do, they can never get that 25%, right? It is this, the Tan Cheng Bok voter, right? That all parties are going for, that middle ground, right? The 33% that vote for the PAP, yeah, the PAP knows that they... I mean, they they will still have to take care of them, but they really, really go after... The, all the parties go after this middle ground, right? So the moment we pledge support to a party unconditionally, I think that is not a wise thing to do. So <clears throat> I would never say, oh, I, I always vote for this person, right? I would I would never even say that about Nicosia, right? <laughs> I just stand with her, right? That's not mean. That's not, that's not mean I vote for her. <laughs> yeah, doesn't mean I will vote for her under any circumstance, right? Because mm. I think my relevance, right, as an individual, right? One of the main things why I'm relevant is because of my vote. And if I feel like parties feel like they do not need to fight for my vote anymore, then there goes my relevance. Okay, fair. So then what, what are your thoughts on money in politics then? In that sense of not like not like big money in politics, uh, where you know you have I think a lot of people talk about how like we're comparing the US, but uh, the US is a very different system from from, sure. from where we are, you know. Sure. But I do think that for individuals like myself uh, and most of the people out there that has a little bit of extra cash, right? Like you're not, you're not, you're not living, you know, mouth to mouth or month to month. Right, you have more month, money, yeah. you can invest, you can do all these things. You are supporting yeah. charity. Why aren't we uh, putting money with like NGOs or putting money with think tanks or putting money with like even opposition parties and and all that? Right? So what are your, what are your thoughts on putting your money where you believe and then supporting all these causes and whatever you? <clears throat> yeah, you can. I think I think there's uh, there's nothing stopping you. So, so for me personally, right? I always do not want any formal affiliation with any political parties, right? And that's just me because I think I'm a political analyst. So, if at the moment I'm associated with any political party formally, then I think there goes my credibility. I think, right? People will not take me. Uh, seriously, and you're not. I don't know how many people take me seriously now, but even less so, right? So, I think I personally wouldn't do that. But I think if you feel uh, strongly, not just the opposition, even the PAP, right? You can, yes, you yes. can support them. You can buy buy stuff, whatever it is. You can talk to your MP, and there are many programs within the uh, within the constituencies, both opposition and uh, PAP wards, where they help low income, for instance. You can and you should donate to those causes also, right? Uh, and because these are very target, targeted and because these people have the resources to know, basically they'll know where the low income are in their constituencies and they have certain programs. So you can ask your MPs how you can support them. But more so than money, right, Reggie, one of the most difficult things is to contribute time. 
and you know this right as a as a working adult if you are comfortable or slightly comfortable right it's much easier to part with your money than with your time right mm, mm, yeah mm. so uh, i think the ultimate test if you can contribute for a working adult for a for an undergrad the ultimate test is whether you can contribute money but for a working mm. adult the ultimate test is whether you can contribute time yeah mm-hmm. but i would say people should not should not underestimate the power of the money right in the sense of a lot of people tell me like oh you know you talk so much about it you know why do you go and volunteer i'm like dude I can record a piece of content and I will influence 10,000 people compared to, you know, uh, oh, going and volunteer no, an hour and, no, and all I that. I think right? this so, is this is time. This is giving mm, time for for mm, a political cause, right? I'm not saying mm, like mm. you go like go on the ground and do that. I'm not <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's one hamper. way. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one yes, way yes. of doing it. I consider my my podcast series is public service. I don't get any money from it. In fact, I spend a little bit, you know, for mm. For Spotify and to pay someone who who volunteered to do the poster, but I just pay her a nominal amount anyway. So I don't get anything from it. I don't I don't even get like one million views or anything, right? So for me, I just consider that that's giving my time for a particular cause, which is to increase political awareness. And you are doing the same as well. So this is mm. public service in in a way, right? Yeah. So I think. Uh, there are many ways that we can think about our time, and of course, money as well, which I I do not uh, deny. And there are many different, and again, go back to our earlier definition of being political. There are many different NGOs that we can contribute to, and we can uh, consider those as political acts. Right? So, so that's the touchy part, right? So, does that mean that we support money in politics? I know it's a bit, a bit, a bit blanket in that sense. Or, yeah. or 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 this yeah, has so, to be very nuanced. So it, it has to be everything has to be nuanced, right? So mm, somebody mm. one uh, once told me, right, the true mark of a scholar is nuance, right? Mm, uh, but at the mm. same time, right, we mustn't. Uh, sometimes nuance is used as an excuse for people not to take stands, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that's irritating also. Yeah. Uh, but it has to be nuanced. So money in politics, right? As we understand it in America, right, is very different because. Money in politics, you have lobby groups, you have people basically buying politicians, right? That yes. doesn't happen in Singapore, thankfully, because you have regulations against it, right? We have uh, limitations to how much we can spend and so on, and and it's it's quite a quite an American problem. Of course, Malaysia has its own sets of problems with uh, money in politics as well. So we that that problem will solve itself based on the laws that parties uh. uh Allowed to spend on on certain on elections, you know how how much is it per voter? So I don't think we have to worry about that in Singapore. Mm, okay, fair, fair. Okay, cool stuff. So for all of you listening, if you believe in a certain cause, you have something that you want to go for, do the action. You know, support, put your money where you believe in. I think all those things are great causes, and I think so far we have definitely established that you know small little things can can go a long way la, and you know don't don't Absolutely. just be on the sidelines and keep complaining and complaining right? do do something <laughs> do something about that right. <laughs> I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talking about keeping up with um, 
the facts, right? Keeping up with the news, keeping up with the updates. Uh, I'm I'm backtracking the three points that you've put up. Sure. Uh, how do we keep up? Okay, the reality is uh, media is always biased, right? There's always a certain viewpoint, certain perspective, how Absolutely. content is being laid out, you know, like why is it cut here? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, so, so can you kind of help us understand how do we consume political media in a savvy fashion? So I'll, I'll give a few different answers. For mm. those who have the time, right? Read from as many sources as possible, right? So if you are going to read uh, the online citizen, for instance, then you follow... You read Straits Times as well, right? And then you balance it, right? Uh, Straits Times, Mothership, and then the online citizen. So you shouldn't just consume one of these. You know, some are more pro-establishment, some are more anti-establishment. Read from a varied amount of sources, and then you'll get... You have to make your conclusions nonetheless. There is no such thing as no bias, right? Everybody, you have a bias, I have a bias. It's just about how we can overcome those biases to the extent possible, Right? And, you know, you can follow my podcast. That's another way to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not so shameless, right? <laughs> not, not shameless at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, and there are people who, who do that. I mean, uh, I know... Do you know this guy, uh, Joel? Joel Lim? Uh, he has Instagram. Uh, he does uh, Instagram Live. He hasn't been doing episodes recently, but he does some good stuff as well. Uh, you mentioned just now PJ Tam has uh, has series. He has this uh, new quite narrative. quite a machine going uh, on. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So his one is yeah, yeah. much more pro- professional. Yeah, yeah. Different yeah, level, not volunteer, <laughs> not volunteer level. <laughs> yeah. different, different. <laughs> different level. So you can listen to him. So you follow people from the you follow Bertha Hansen, you follow the ministers, you follow the opposition, and then uh, you read what they have to say as well. So ultimately, right. Is this is a difficult part, right? You cannot have a good understanding without putting in the work, also, right? Mm. And really, if we really think about it, it's not even that much. It is work, but it's not that much work, right? How many times, how much time do we spend mindlessly scrolling through Facebook <laughs> and Instagram, right? How, how much time do we do we do that? And we play silly games on our phones. I have this particular game now on my phone that I. I'm a bit addicted to and it's a silly, <laughs> stupid game, right? And I know that intellectually, but it still takes time. So if we can do all of that, right? Why can't we do things? Set aside maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, right? And just think about, to read stuff that would make us think about things that would matter to us. Mm. So by reading all these things, right? It's, it's good to read broad and all that. How do I then, you know, come to a position on things because I think sometimes you know uh, it's a problem with intellectuals or, or probably a lot of uh, people in the thinking economy right you, you, you're okay yeah I agree with this points. it's a liberal problem also yeah yeah everybody has a point so then what's my point <laughs> right? like, so where do I stand right? so, uh, yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so I so I I would uh, always say you know when people say oh there are no r- right or wrong answers no there are right and wrong answers <laughs> based on your right. moral structure some, right based on what you yeah, believe exactly, in yeah exactly exactly yes. and also for some issues maybe yes it, it depends the answer is more personal but for some issues they are just facts there are wrong answers so we can never say that we can never say oh there are no right or wrong answers right that's again you are right that sometimes people on our side right this is a cop out for oh because we don't want to hurt feelings right so yes Reading widely is the first step and ultimately, right, what I would say is my philosophy in life is always to take everything skeptically, in a skeptical manner, whatever people say, you take it in a skeptical manner, especially if it comes from politicians. Unless I have established a personal relationship with 
a person, right? And I know your integrity and credibility 100%, right? But I mean, this is for non-politicians. For politicians, it doesn't matter whether they are white, blue, red, whatever it is, right? <laughs> I will always behave in a very skeptical manner. My first instinct is to doubt. But I do not, I do not, or I try as far as possible not to be cynical. <laughs> Sometimes I fail. So I be skeptical. I am skeptical, but I wouldn't be cynical where my first instinct is to disbelieve. My first instinct is to doubt, not disbelieve. And the moment we become cynical, right? You know, it's a very, uh, it's, it's more pernicious than we think because there's a tendency to become hopeless. Or then, mm. then we say, what's the point? Right? If we mm. disbelieve everything, right? And, oh, what's the point of doing this? But if you are doubt, right? I think it keeps you on your toes if you're doubtful. Keeps you on your toes and the thirst for seeking the truth is there, right? Mm. But then it needs to be acted on. Ultimately, you have to come to a judgment call, right? So let's take a hot button issue, right? Which is related to your, which would be relevant uh, to your audience, the minimum wage, right? So the arguments for and against, at least the basic arguments we must understand. So the minimum wage is a market distortion. No, no getting around it, right? So yeah. if you look at classical economics, right? And most economists, especially in the past, would say that this market distortion, you lose employment because people have less resources to, to employ people and so on. Firms have. And then the counter argument is, oh, but that's in theory, right? In practice, it has been done in certain countries and it's improved productivity and so on, right? And then ultimately, you have to listen to both sides or multiple sides sometimes and from independent people, not just from the political parties. And then you have to come to a conclusion based on your value system. What do you value the most? So I'll give you another example, right? There is a trade-off sometimes between multiracialism and meritocracy. Both are core principles in Singapore, right? So the GRC, you cannot pretend as if there is no violation of meritocracy. Mm. Because mm. it's a quota. And quotas, by definition, there is a violation of meritocracy. Now, for those who are pro or against GRC, you have to admit that. You have to admit that. And then the question is, because I think that's factual, right? Then the question is, what matters more? Ultimate meritocracy where you get the very best or you get very, very good people, maybe not the best that you could get. Very, very good people enough, but you have racial representation because there is value in that, right? So you have to come to that conclusion. Only you can come to it, to it yourself mm. based on your personal beliefs and values. But then you also need to think about why you believe this thing. Why is this value important to you? And sometimes we do not think. Yeah, I also yeah. want to add that it's, it's not mutually exclusive. You can have, you know, minority representation that is also very, very, very high quality, right? So it's not a given. Oh, no, no, no. You know? uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not. I'm just saying that. It's just in the quota structure. By definition, yeah, by definition, quotas, right? The fact that you had to have quotas already tells <laughs> us something, right? Yeah, because mm. if if what you said, right, is true, then you donate quotas and you'll get the minorities there anyway, right? So, mm. or at the very least, we have to admit that quotas, there is a possibility of merit being compromised. Mm. Right? A strong mm. possibility. At the very least, we have to admit that. Yeah. Yes. Of course, you'll get the odd tamen here and there, right? <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. whose head and shoulders above everybody else, right? You'll get SM Taman here and there. And and I'm not even saying the people, the minorities in our GRCs are bad. I'm not saying that. They are mm -hmm. very good. Most most of our candidates, right, are really, really good. They are top-notch. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that when you have quotas, that is a possibility. And people who are for the GRCs, like myself, have to admit mm -hmm. that this is a drawback. There is no perfection this side of heaven. 
Right? <laughs> it's not perfection. So, no is that policy. even heaven? Oh, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> is that for this podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. So, no, 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 like, no. <laughs> so there, is no, there is no perfection this side of heaven, right? So mm-hmm. every public policy will have its flaws. The question is whether the benefits overcome the cost and the benefits and the cost, how you assign the benefits and costs are based on your individual value. Fair, fair. And I also want to say that I'm not the biggest fan of meritocracy as an idea. Okay, but but we can we can elaborate that oh. in, another time, you know, in another podcast. Absolutely. Because I, I, I want to talk a little bit about political interests because like what you pointed out, a lot of our politicians are top-notch and I do agree. I think they have, um, you know, educationally, they are very good. In fact, I think they are too good. They don't really represent everybody on the ground. Right. Okay, that's a different discussion another time. Right. But, they are very good. They know what they're doing. They're very smart. And I don't think that they are they are corrupt or, or what have you. But I do think that a lot of uh, every Singaporeans don't recognize their political interests as a politician. Right. So can, can, can you help us understand a little bit? Like, you know, we, we shouldn't be blindsided by this. Like, oh, like, no politicians. They are not technocrats. Right? They are not people that are just like, you know, doing the job. Right? But they actually have political interests. So how do I understand that? Oh, absolutely. So... So this is the other thing about uh, about us, right? Why do we? Why have we? And I partly is the PAP's fault, right? For and politicians in general, like saying, "Oh, okay." First of all, just just to sidetrack, right? I've never ever met a politician who says, "I've always wanted to be a politician," and I would if I ever meet somebody like that, I would respect that person so much because. Politics is not something you stumble into, right? You suddenly exit. Every politician I've met that I've talked to, oh, I, this is by accident. This is by accident. I mean, don't give me this false humility. <laughs> it's not by accident. It's not by accident. You don't accidentally become a politician, right? You must yeah, yeah, want yeah. it to some extent. You were convinced, maybe. You were, reluct- uh, you were initially reluctant or what, but you still wanted it. Because nobody can force you, ultimately. You still want it, right? Now, what's my point, right? My point is in any other institution or job, right, you would admit that every person has their own personal interest and then they have their institutional interest, right? And I think politicians, not only they do have interest, and I don't know why we think politicians always do not have individual interest, because they do and they should have individual interest. Politicians should want to be re-elected. That's their ultimate individual interest, Mm. Right? And there's elite interest, there's politician interest, there's mass interest. And the challenge for us is to ensure that elite interest and mass interest intersect as much as possible. And one of the ways to ensure that is through elections Mm. and to make elections as free and as fair as possible. So when people say, oh, they are just doing this to be re-elected, good, I want them to do this to be re-elected. That personal interest serves the public interest in the long run. If they don't care about re-election, what's stopping them from doing anything? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? So they do have personal interest and this is the other thing. People should not pretend as if they do not have. Like both politicians should not pretend that and the public also should not expect them not to have personal interest. It doesn't make sense, right? If they don't have personal interest, they will be doing this for free, right? And I don't (laughs) want them to do it for free. I don't expect them to do it for free. I wouldn't do it for free, right? Mm, mm, mm. So I wouldn't wouldn't have that unnecessary burden or expectation. But partly it's because they have portrayed themselves as such. And that's why the public has has that expectation of them. Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes from a humble background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> humble, I'm humble. This humble, person is humble. humble. At, first, at first, 
first two politicians, oh yeah, quite cool lah. They are recruiting from different places. After that, become everybody humble. It's like, what, what, what yeah. the hell? PR crisis. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. People see through this. This, you know, hmm. people, they desire authenticity as well. Now, you can never know 100% whether a person is authentic. But yes. we make judgment calls, right? Yes. We make yes. judgment calls on a daily basis, right? Whether a person hmm. is authentic. So people do make judgment calls about whether a politician is authentic and sometimes it's just so obvious that they are not authentic. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. T- totally yeah. get that. So in in the in the light of what we are trying to do where, you know, there are all these things from like GST hike, minimum wage discussion, or even the whole like MOM, you know, uh, different, different laws and, and you know, yeah, whether I mean, do we CPF, want to bring... All yeah, everything, yeah, everything, everything. Everything, yeah. Yes, everything links back to to personal finance and, and it's very very important i think i think we've established so far that that this exists um, that this is important so for for people that are listening right other than doing the low the lower hanging fruit like you know tagging your ministry donating money and going for ngos you know um are there things that are a little bit more you know uh more effective or, or can ignite bigger change like maybe getting the nmp to table a motion you know or, or, or some of these kind of stuff that uh, it's unique to our institution because we don't want to just compare to yeah. other institutions and say that oh you know they are better but, but no, no 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 we're not here to critique right. the political institution but we're talking about right. how to maneuver right, right so right, are there right. more strategic methods that uh, average right. individuals so, like like ourselves can do as you know Raja, i am quite a fan of the nmp scheme I know, right? I because know. i think NMPs, <laughs> <laughs> nmps are uniquely positioned to do something even though it's an undemocratic institution. I think it can actually bolster democracy. Mm. Now, to you, so, it's a political innovation. I, I, know, I know. It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think it's uh, doing, the, throwing, uh, doing it through the NMPs uh, is, is a, an extremely important one. However, I want to go back to a larger point first before I zoom in, yes. uh, zoom back in, right? So there is a saying uh, that goes that power consists nothing without demand. It never has and never will, mm. right? If there's no demand, there's not going to be supply, right? Okay. So if you go to an NMP, okay, not you go to an NMP by yourself, then the NMP say, okay, if this is one person's interest, why should I bring it up? I, the NMP may still bring it up because the NMP is not bounded by re-election. But the people who are trying to change the law, right, the, the other, the elected MPs, they are thinking, how many people actually think this? So if there is no demand, there will not be supply. So there must be enough demand. That's why like-minded people, first of all, I think social media has changed the game because it shows that hey, there are other people who think this and then, you know, I contact them and let's see whether we can write to the NMPs, you know, we can even go down to the MPS for those who have the bandwidth for that, you know, you can do more than just tagging them on. Even though the tagging part, if enough people do it, it's, it's important. As in, it can, it can be quite effective, right? But the, the concept that we must understand is there must be demand. We cannot just expect there to be change without people asking for it, right? You don't expect kindness, right? Kindness has to be extracted. <laughs> oh, and you cannot blame them. If you do not demand, how would they know that actually there is, there is appetite for this, right? And then if there's demand and then they don't change, that's a separate matter. But at, a separate matter. But at the very least, you must demand for it. And I think you can go to the NMPs, but before that, or you must know that that is a sizable amount of people, or enough people for this to become a political issue, right? And that's one way of thinking about it, right? The other way, right? If you think this issue is important, but people do not think it's important, 
And then you do even more heavy lifting. The first one is easy. Like that issue is important and you think other people and you know other people think it's important. You go to the NMP or you go to your own MP and you ask them to talk about it in parliament or in whatever way. The other way is only you think it's important but most people do not think. But you you do some heavy lifting. Okay, then I'll write about it. I'll talk about it. I'll try to change hearts and minds, right? Mm. And then I'll try to make people think this is important and see my point of view. Now that's is that's a higher level, requires much more sacrifice and time and effort. But I mean, people have done it. People have done mm. it. You know, have tried to convince others. Uh, you know, and one of the ways, you know, books, academic books, really change people's minds, right? Because <laughs> nobody <laughs> reads books, right? Maybe But to your Yen's book lah. That's right, what. That's, that's the, the example I wanted to say. Yes. That's mm. the example I wanted to say. That book has changed the landscape in Singapore. Yes, right? amazing. Politicians had to react to it, and people have started becoming aware of it. Now everybody talks about inequality. Four years mm. ago, it wasn't really an issue. Mm. I mean, people mm. did talk about it individually, but very rarely you saw this this type of national discourse. I think the government also had to react to it, right? Mm. So that's an example of person saying. Okay, this is important enough. I'm gonna go out of my way to to do that. And now, you know, books, podcasts has you have even a wider platform than than Yoyan had, right? Yeah, you can potentially affect uh, more minds and change more hearts and minds. So yeah, yeah. So please tell Yoyan to come to our platform. I emailed her. Oh, she said no. Oh really? <laughs> yes, yeah, she What? said no. So I'm very disappointed. So Tio Yen, I read the book end to end. I told a lot of people about the book, you know. And you know, uh, one of our one of our core beliefs is we want to help the community recognize that you know there are a lot of social policies that can be changed so that we can change the game. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, I, so I am also a fanboy of Yo Yen. Yeah, mm-hmm. you asked yeah. me to choose between Yo Yen and Nicosia. It's very difficult. I think slightly <laughs> Yo Yen ages it slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So just, yes, just in her defense, she has a lot of invitations. Even my, my, uh, my show. I mean, I want to have her on just by herself. I had her on with Chiran and Donald before, so, so she's still thinking. I, I think she still needs some time to. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, but you, you should tag her for us, right? <laughs> tell yes, her, yes, tell, I yes. I'll definitely help, help, mention help. you. Yes, to, yes, yes, great, yes. great, good stuff. <laughs> so I, I think, I think we have done. A lot of discussion today on all the way from like why you should be political, the local landscape, what you can do from voting, keeping up with the news, you know, doing individual action, all the way to even tattering on the grounds of activism and joining, you know, different initiatives and and all that. Right. So I, I think we have went through a lot that I think the our listeners and the average Singaporean can actually do something about it. Right. So uh, do you have any last things you want to add on on this note? Right. So what I wanted to say is sometimes hope is the only thing that a human being has. Mm. Right. You lose hope, you lose everything. You lose the impetus for for change. Right. So and we do not just have to think now. My my philosophy is those who are privileged, like like you and I, privileged to some extent. Right. We must always do more for other people. Right. And to do more, in uh, invariably you have to be a bit more political. Now, even if you don't think that, just out of self-preservation, just out of personal selfish interest, it's still useful to be more political, mm. right? Not less political. It's always not not partisan. More political, right? So we must always strive to be more political, more politically aware, more politically astute, more polit- 
politically critical and more politically involved in the various ways I've mentioned. And I know some people, they do not want to volunteer with a party like myself, and that's perfectly fine as well. There are many other ways to be political and do not belittle your own efforts. You you will always get people who are saying, oh, what's the point, right? What's the point of doing this? We should ignore those kinds of criticisms. But of course, you must also be wary of cheerleaders who, oh, you're doing this great, you're doing this great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we must always, like, okay, just bring ourselves down. Okay, yeah, we're not that great. You know? so, <laughs> so we must always find that balance, yeah. Yeah, okay. So so that's good. I uh, appreciate your time. I think that's awesome. We will end here for the podcast. And, and so it's, it's amazing. I, I love it. All right. So, so thanks, that is... Thanks for having me on. Hey, Coconuts. I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time out to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group Follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Like, share, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> also, if you have something interesting that you want us to go through or someone interesting that you want us to interview, reach out to us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week. And always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Someone asked, what are your thoughts on reserve presidency? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a fan of the GRC because I think there is value in having a minority MPs. But going back to what I said earlier, there is a cost, right? There, cost. And there are multiple costs. One is there may be a compromise on merit, although that is not too big of a cost because we do have good candidates. The other cause is there may be a credibility problem with the minority MPs. They may see this minority MPs are your piggybacking on the on the Chinese candidate. So there is a cost to the credibility of candidates. But I think overall it's worth it. Now for the reserve presidency, there is that cause, that credibility, and there is no there is no significant benefit. Nobody, we do not need a minority president. Right? Mm-hmm. If a minority wins, a minority wins. But even if minor- there is no minority president, we don't lose anything because it's a ceremonial position. So mm-hmm. I am not a fan of the reserve presidency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it also yeah, costs the PAP some votes. So yes. I think so. And and I think so. And I think it also, unfortunately, I think costs President Halima some credibility as well. Oh, not some. I think a lot. <laughs> she, I, I, I know I, I hear from my friends that she is very popular in her in her area and she, she's done I a lot know, of just work. in her popular in NTUC mm. she was consistently one of the highest if not the highest voted uh, mm. member and you know uh, she was very popular right and now mm. I think uh, to what end right as in if she had just contested in an open election and if she had won she would be so much more credible so I think it's Unfortunately, it was a disservice to her as well. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not a fan of the reserve. Yes, yeah, she's a sacrifice, uh, a little sad, but yes. Uh, I, I also want to ask a little bit about being opportunistic, right? So I think there's a little bit of discussion here and there about being opportunistic. In my view, I'm pretty uh, supportive of being opportunistic in a sense mm. of like, you know, 
it's very hard to drive media narratives. It's very hard to drive attention, you know, especially in a time when attention is being fought by all these things, right? So right. if there's something happens and you actually share the cause, the belief, you know, of this particular thing, and what's what's uh what's wrong with being you know opportunistic of this situation to rally and right. talk about it and bring it into the realms of the public. Right. So are you talking about the Sarah incident or what? As oh, yeah, yeah, what? yeah. The Sarah, yeah, okay. the PA, the PA, yes, yes. Yeah, so Sarah was labeled as an opportunist by, by a few people, right? Uh, or, yeah. or at least they hinted at it, right? Mm-hmm. Although I, I'm not talking about NMP Joshua because he sort of clarified his stance, right, in my mm-hmm. life with him. So not him, but other people have made that accusation about Sarah. Uh, and what I would say is, first of all, people living in glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones, right? Politicians are the last person... <laughs> Last people who should be calling others opportunistic, right? When there's a sports, Singaporean sportsman, sportswoman who wins, suddenly they post about that. What's that? That's opportunism, right? That's mm-hmm. opportunism, right? Low so fruits, politicians, yes. yeah, yeah, politicians are the last people who should be talking about others being opportunistic. Secondly, right, being opportunistic to what end? If you, as you said, if you are opportunistic because there's a media wave and you're riding on it, in order to educate the public, go ahead. Be opportunistic, right? Uh, if you are doing that to make yourself richer, even personally, I mean, if you are not a politician, nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> yeah, but if you are people in power and using, using, uh, you are being opportunistic to enrich yourself instead of the institution, then that's a, that's a problem, right? So the term itself doesn't doesn't mean much. It's used as a red herring. It's used as a, as a slur in some way, right? Because... It was used to delegitimize what Sarah was doing, right? When, you know, even from my personal conversation with her, but even from that life, I I never felt that. I felt like she is probably part of what you, what you can consider the woke crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was what I mean. I'm not from that, but I can see that five minutes into the conversation, I can see where she's coming from already, right? That kind of language. And it's unfortunate that when I saw that, what I saw was somebody who's genuine. I, I largely agree with her. I do not entirely agree with her, but I, I didn't doubt her intentions. It's unfortunate that when somebody saw that and saw, oh, this is an opportunist. What's her agenda? Is she joining the opposition, right? If we start <laughs> restricting criticism, right, to we start saying that somebody who criticizes only because they want to join the opposition, right? then you are really not creating a society that you say you want, which is a healthy society with room for disagreements and different uh, voices. Fair, fair. I, I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I sound very agreeable with you. I think we're, we're quite aligned. <laughs> we're quite aligned on this. I, yeah, I end with Wallace, okay? But I also want to ask about, you know, um, exactly like what you say, right? The, the politicians, they take on the very low-hanging fruit. Like, you know, uh, you lose Olympics, okay, I can stand with you. You win Olympics, <laughs> yeah, I also can stand with you. It's so yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this yeah, is exactly. like, like, like exactly. dude, this is political opportunists, right? Like, oh, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, take yeah. whatever position the public <laughs> is taking, this is easy yeah. shit, right? So, and, and there is an endless discussion about politicians taking easy uh, positions to build their political resource and their political, you know, affinity. But it seems like in our, in at least in our political landscape, our politicians are not, are not taking the harder positions. Things like you know racism. Recently, it's 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 becoming more and more of a discussion, and also things like LGBT, right? And I think within within our community, you know, we we ha- it's quite stupid. We had to do episodes talking about how the LGBT community can use the public housing scheme, 
Yeah. I'm like, dude, public housing isn't it for everybody? No, but you know, there's a there's a yeah. certain social community that is being yeah. priced out because they cannot get married and da 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 yeah. whatever you, right? So what what is your take on 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 this where politicians are taking the the easy stuff right. they're not doing the touchy oh, stuff and so, so is I it political that, suicide and all that kind of stuff so i would say there's variation sometimes they do take the polit- difficult decisions right i mean the reserve presidency was deeply unpopular right yeah of course i mean is that really the difficult decision is it important because, i was like yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so so there are some sometimes where where they make the difficult uh, decisions and initially you know when the government was saying we are going to move to an endemic. I thought that was really courageous. But then, mm-hmm. and then they reverted back to the no dining. I mean, that's, a, that's a separate matter. But I, I felt if that they had followed through with the endemic, right, they would have really shown really courage in a difficult situation, right? Because people are, I mean, it's very easy for privileged people to say, oh, let's have lockdowns, you know, let's not. Yeah, but there are a lot of people who suffer, you know. Dude, they, they got a 10,000 square foot house. Yeah, people, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And then no dining in, you know how much it hurts. It hurts the hawkers and it hurts the F and B, the yeah. grab grab drivers. You know, it's mm. it's just crazy. So uh, I felt if they had done that, then that would have been a truly difficult decision. Section 377A. Even the opposition doesn't take it on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm I'm not saying just the PAP thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. so uh and there is a reason why. That reason mm. It's, it's a mistake to think that the PAP is conservative on this. They are conservative mm-hmm. on other other <laughs> matters. Mm-hmm. But on this, the PAP is not conservative. On this, the PAP is electoral. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it's just that the sense is now, it's even Stevens, right? It seems mm-hmm. like both the liberals and conservative, maybe 60-40 or 65-35, it's not, it's not worth it to take a strong stance in in favor of one group. For, for From their perspective, electorally right? but i can tell you mm. i am quite confident the moment the pendulum shifts decisively in favor of uh the liberals that's where the parties will move as well mm. uh, so, so this is the whole median voter theory kind of thing this where, one, where yes. they, so for this one is just electoral i call this electoral secularism mm. this this particular issue so it's not a strong stance at all now has the PAP taken difficult decisions? Of course they have, right? There are there are difficult decisions that have. the CPF is, I mean, if you know, I mean, people are complaining about it, especially, you know, if I think maybe we are around the same age and, you know, our elderly parents, you know, the strictness of, about the medicine, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that one is, the elderly, the, a lot of them are really un- unhappy with that, right? Mm-hmm. So there are difficult decisions that, that they have made as well. So I don't want to say that, uh, that they do not uh, do that at all. So there's variation. I think the, the Section 377A is a, a particular one where you can see that they are being electoral about it, both parties. And in fact, the yes, other... Yes. If, if you remember, even the SDP, which is the most left on this, when Dr. Vijay Singha came out openly, mysteriously after that, he <laughs> left the party, right? Right? I mean, he wasn't sick or anything, right? But for me, like, it does seem like it's related to that. So, ultimately, and this is the, this is the dilemma for them, which is why sometimes we cannot expect politicians, sometimes, to be the moral leaders, because mm. ultimately they have to pander electorally. Ultimately, ultimately they have to do that, right? So it is up to civil society to push what you think is moral. Mm. It's mm. the most moral stance. Yeah. So we cannot expect them to to be the moral leaders all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the doing content, doing rallies, doing all the stuff that, that people are doing, I think it's a call to every individual to, you know, be more active in society and Absolutely. take your position and, and push Absolutely. out things to, to swing the narrative. And, I think, And also, mm. Section 377A, right, is not an OB marker. Mm, mm. It's not. It's not race, you know. It's not race where it's much more touchy. Even then, it's beginning to open up the space on race, right? But Section 377A and LGBT issues, right? There's a lot of space. There's a lot of space to be for and against, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's something. Even those who are passionate about it, go, go and champion that, right? Uh, so, mm. yeah. And I think going back to the NMPs, I think NMPs are uniquely positioned actually to propose the repeal of Section 377A. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think someone tried lah, huh? but a, a West saga. Yeah, but but you know that was long ago, you know, two thousand yes, seven. Yes, yes. I mm. think the mood in twenty twenty one is completely different from two thousand and seven. But that person has definitely kickstarted. You, you're talking about Siu Kam Hong, right? Definitely kickstarted yes. this this whole post. I mean, uh, gay activism has taken on a completely. I mean, it, he has to take a lot of credit for for mm. that, right? Yes, 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 for sure. Good stuff, good stuff. And I feel very proud that I know a lot of these things. I'm very updated, huh? not bad. Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. Dude, I invest yeah, a lot of time in all these. Right? I was like, yeah, okay, we must right, care right. about society and, and all that jazz. Oh, and exactly nice. like what you said, I think Lawrence Wong recently came out to say that, you know, we have to win votes. And, and that, is yeah. a, that is a very clear stance, you know, where Absolutely. in the past, it always seems like it's, it's very technocratic and, and they're just yeah. doing the best that they can. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> fundamentally, things are changing and I think, I think all, all those stuff are great. So thanks for coming. Thanks for spending time. We, oh, we oh, need right. to have Day Tarik together. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, yes. after, after the lockdown is lifted. But for everyone that is still listening and, you know, for everyone that will be listening, definitely check out uh, Wallet's podcast, Day Tarik with Wallet. Take care. Guys, thank you. Thanks for the plug Bye. and thanks thanks for this. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.